You can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know, okay? Do it again. Closer, I am and we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Also, Mike and myself, Mike One, are all decked out in our pink best. We're here to review Barbie for you, the motion picture, one of the motion picture events of the... Well, I, guess, I was going to say one of the motion picture events of the summer, but I guess I should say one of the motion picture events of this weekend of the summer that are happening as we have that long-awaited and gestated double feature with Oppenheimer, which we will also be reviewing, which also Mike will tell you about because he did the Barbenheimer plunge. Uh, I am co-host Mike One. I said that. And, and this is co-host also Mike. I've also said that, but I'm saying it again. <laughs> Too many babies. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm so glad this is finally here. It's it's really cool to see. I mean, I have to park a mile away from my movie theater. It felt like I got a good long walk in yeah. before getting uh, in, into my seat. There, it was it was really great. I was I'm never happier to walk all the way from Best Buy <laughs> to, to the, my AMC. <laughs> like for, it, was, it was literally like a couple football fields of length. It was great. So uh, it's great to see a packed uh, packed house. Uh, I've been in packed movie theaters. I saw Barbie twice in a row, two nights in a row in the Dolby. So it, it, it's really a fun time. To, to be a movie lover, I would say. Now, we're going to get into this, but these are also like movie lovers' movies. This is not your typical cookie-cutter blockbuster in any way, shape, or form, and that's why I think we're both going to bang the table for a lot of Oscars love, yeah. and this is definitely an Oscars profile as well today, Barbie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're giving credit to big filmmakers making big swings with big studio money behind them. Uh, if you've not joined us before for an Oscars profile, it's two reviews for one episode. We will not spoil anything about Barbie, even though it is not the movie you expect, or at least that we did not expect. Uh, we will not spoil it for you in the first half. We'll talk about its Oscars chances, category by category, essentially. We'll review the performances, our viewing experiences, stuff of that nature. There will be a spoiler warning at the midway point, and then in the second half of this episode, we'll go with the ins and outs of the plots of Barbie. So the Oscars profile of Barbie is officially underway here. Mike, where do we want to begin? Well, let's introduce the movie. It's co-written and directed by Greta Gerwig, starring and produced by Margot Robbie, co-starring Ryan Gosling, America Ferreira, Issa Rae, Simu Liu, uh, Will Ferrell, Dua Lipa, and a terrific ensemble that we'll be talking about a lot today. Distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures for a theatrical release this week on July 21st. And Michael, here's my first question to you. Christopher Nolan. One WB picture after the next. I don't remember if Oppenheimer had this date first or not, but do you think there's a possibility? I just it just dawned on me because Zaslov is a complicated man, and he might have been overly competitive here. Do you think he wanted to crush Oppenheimer, putting Barbie on the same date, and and mm. inadvertently inadvertently did like this phenomenon sort of thing where we got Barbenheimer and now. Oppenheimer's box office is buoyed up by this, you know, mm. worldwide phenomenon that Barbie's going to be. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I don't know that it'll matter, you know, like the bottom line for the actual literal bottom line for Barbie is going to be so big. It's going to make so much money for WB that like, even if that was his original intent, if it actually helps out Oppenheimer's box office, I don't think Zaslav will mind in the least. I wonder. I really do. I wonder if this came from a place of spite <laughs> and over competitiveness. But uh, whatever the whatever the case and in its inception, it's turned into this uh, this beautiful time for moviegoers. And both movies reviewed extremely well. Critical reception for Barbie eighty nine percent on two hundred thirty one reviews as of uh, as of Friday today. Eighty one Metascore audience receptions ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes is going to be very high. The box office is actually going to be very profitable on a responsibly priced budget for a change. One hundred forty five yeah. million for Barbie. Oppenheimer's a hundred million. Both of these movies have such a better chance of making their money back than all of the blockbusters we had this spring that are 200 to 300 million dollars in terms of their budgets. And Barbie looks just as good as any 300 million dollar budget movie. Totally. You got Scorsese's longtime cinematographer, you got six-time Oscar-nominated production and set designers going in here. Like this is a major Oscars player and like we've talked about for a long time has a high floor, but I also think I mean this is going to be a tentpole. We finally got one of those summer tentpoles. Barbie is money, now money, money, money. 
projected for 110 on on the weekend. I've seen some people projecting it as high as 200 million, 185. Maybe 22 million on a Thursday preview. 22.5 was It's more than the Batman. That's more than that's more than like every, million. everything else. The year's best was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 that did like 17. So that's incredible. And then Oppenheimer was not supposed to do more than 9 and that did 10.5 last night. So that's an incredible uh, gross yeah. by Oppenheimer, which is now projected for about $49 million per The Hollywood Reporter. So these are exciting numbers. I do think it's a rising tide lifting both boats here. Yeah, I, I do, too. It's a, it's a fun time. I mean, the Internet has been the shepherd of why people are maybe doing this double feature because I can't imagine if these came out in like 1996 there'd be that big of a crossover crowd between both of them but because this is like the Barbenheimer thing has become a literal meme for so many months now leading up to their release dates I think that's absolutely helped as well do you remember when Mama Mia and I believe was it another Christopher Nolan film that came out on the same night a couple years ago do you, do you remember that I don't remember that having any any of the same memeage or any and it was at the Dark Knight Rises. I forget Maybe, what it was. I, I don't, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, but it, it, it rings a bell somewhere in my head, though. We yeah. can't remember it, so it, it yeah. doesn't like this. We're going to remember forever, I yeah, would think. This is a big deal, and, and, and it's it, all I mean, it's rare too because you have so much pussyfooting between the studios lately with scheduling that, like, I think and I think that's what happened. I think one of the studios expected the other one to blink, and neither one did. I think they both realized that obviously it was taken off, but they both realized at 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 its inception that it was good counter programming regardless. Do you think that went into it? Because I mean, look, I, I saw Oppenheimer last night, a movie I did not expect either. Like that is a big talky drama with a capital D. What if the Kens won? <laughs> but but, <laughs> but seriously, that's that's a scientific and you know Cold War political Cold War politics discourse for three hours i, I ex- expected a, a much different movie there was a tiktok that said uh barbie is for the she's gays and days and oppenheimer is for the straight men to think about what they've done <laughs> <laughs> good yeah but i gotta tell you it was a, it was a rough experience doing both not like it was fun i mean obviously if you're a movie lover they're both good movies and we're gonna review oppenheimer next and i, I enjoyed oppenheimer i wish i saw oppenheimer fresh and I did it. I felt like I did it wrong. I saw Barbie first in Dolby. I took like a half hour break, got fast food, which just ruined me. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm a ruined person today. Like, it's just I feel sluggish. I had dark soda. Like, I, oh, God, I feel awful. I've been trying to get away from dark soda. And I, I like how you're blaming it. dark soda when you described your menu to me. Yeah, early. no. It, it, there, it, the diet soda, believe me, is the most <laughs> inoffensive uh, culprit amongst this. Uh, you're probably right, but like going in with that diet to a like look at I mean think about Mank on the big screen right like the, the Oppenheimer's like the imitation game Lincoln Irishman Mank JFK yeah. some kind of I can't figure out a comp for I don't it. know I, I'm going to fall asleep during it I'm worried there to was see a it. dude snoring so loud and <laughs> it was hilarious everybody was laughing in my audience because this guy was just loudly. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. Respect. We have to. There has to be a line in the sand. We can't keep doing this. Big studios and big directors. Anyway, like you have to have an end ga- end time. I think you got to go caffeinated. See Oppenheimer first. You got to eat something that's gonna. It's gonna make you a better person. You can't do what I did. You have to have a salad or sushi or something relatively healthy. You have mm. to. Mm. And you got to take care of yourselves, people. Like, these are two big movies, huge movies. And Oppenheimer's going to kick your ass. So I'm actually going to take, like, I'm going to take a controversial stance in, in that. I think, number one, you can't see Oppenheimer after Barbie. That's a bad move. Mm-hmm. I, 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 would, I haven't seen it, but I would agree with that. I would only see Oppen- Barbie after Oppenheimer and just you could relax and have fun. But Oppen- Oppenheimer's impossible to watch after. But I wouldn't see them the same day. I would enjoy them on separate days and, and enjoy your enjoy life. I can't believe you did it. I, I knew going in that was good. Like, I, there's no way I would have been able to. No the, Barben- the Barbenheimer double feature could not have been a better experience than I'm going to go see Oppenheimer the next two nights, probably for our film study. And I'm going to enjoy myself. And yet I I can't imagine like seeing Barbie beforehand and then having, and then another three hour movie would do better for me. I, I, 
I don't know. Maybe it, maybe some people are just it's such an event for them. And I, here's where if you could take like a long siesta, like my brother this Sunday, I can't go with him no longer, but he's going to take a long siesta and go to the bar and have a meal and drink with his buddies. <laughs> and then they're going to go see Barbie, you know, so maybe that'll work. I don't know. I, I, ju- I, I just I don't have it in me. I don't have that gene. I was relieved when Barbie was over. I'm like, all right, get out. Still light out. <laughs> Under two hours, Barbie. I mean, this yeah. was. Yeah, it was fine. But yeah. thinking about having to sit through another hour. But of all like, oh, movies. God. Like, think about sitting through Mank after Barbie. Right, right. <laughs> or Lincoln. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no thank you. <laughs> or what was the Scorsese movie? The Silence. Irishman. No silence. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's not silence levels, but it's it's a it's a long sit. I mean, it's just talk for yeah. three hours. Anyway, I I love them both, and I love them for doing this, and I love film Twitter for once for for doing this whole Barbenheimer thing. It's one of their best, the best things film Twitter has ever done is Barbenheimer. Right? Agree with that, and I also agree. I'm very upset that this is making these dickhead studios so much money during the strikes. Oh yeah. However, you're you're what there's a saying about noses and faces and yeah. spites. Come yeah. on, man. You gotta, well, I mean, you I can still feel, like I wish them. I wish there was a way for the talent to get all these profits rather than WB and you know. I mean, well, here here's the way. Like Netflix just made 1.5 billion in profit, right? Announced. No, net. Yeah, net profit. Net profit. Net <laughs> profit. Like we've been saying all along. Yeah, they're swimming in it. And here you're going to watch... For a quarter. For a quarter. $1.5 billion. Yeah, and you're going to watch a $145 million movie make ton, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in profit. And you're going to watch a hundred and forty, or you're going to watch a Oppenheimer movie make plenty of profit, too. So movie theaters are going to make... Everybody's going to be making profit except for the actors the and writers. They're going to have no choice. The movie, yeah. Yeah, they're not going to be believed going forward. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the good news, I would hope. That's true. Yeah, All right. Hopefully. Let's talk overall composition. Let's get into our non-spoiler review here. Uh, Greta Gerwig, champion, MMO champion from Lady Bird to Little Women. We're yes. huge Little Women fans. Yes. Uh, married to the like screenwriting power couple of the century. Mm-hmm. Marriage Stories, Noah Baumbach. Uh, this is edited by her guy Nick Hoy from uh, Little Women and Lady Bird, The Night Of. That yeah. being said, like this is a high wire trapeze for screenwriting. Script is a mess. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen such a good script just like yada yada over so much of its own rules that it spends so much time establishing. I was thinking about maybe Elf, you know, when he just gets on the narwhal and winds up in New York. <laughs> I've been trying to figure figure out comparisons, comparison movies, comps, Elf just kind of works for the beginning of act one just for the setup and then no not at all the uh, setup of what like the main conflict is supposed to be in this movie is punted immediately i love it too i love because oh, yeah, yeah it, it shouldn't work i mean it works somehow but like it, there's it no work. reason i cannot imagine this movie being pitched in a meeting to be greenlit I was a bit shell-shocked, to be honest with you, when I'm watching it for the first time. I did not expect this movie to be what it was, and we'll get into it in spoilers, but I have so much friggin' respect yeah. for Gerwig shooting her shots. Like, this is her shot to be this blockbuster filmmaker, mm-hmm. and and she cashed in her chips for Barbie, and I'm just so... <laughs> It's just so refreshing that you're going to, all right, I'm going to do this one big budget movie, and this is going to be my blockbuster. What a flex. What a career statement for her. Uh, she she doesn't let you down ever. No. That's fine. No. And if you, if you take the, if the, you nail the big swings and the big stories, then, like, the little stuff doesn't matter. And this is, like, prototypical example A of that. Because she does, like, the big things and the big statements in this are done really, really well. And I would say even the little stuff that doesn't work, like there's some comedy routines in this movie that really don't work for me, but they're yeah. big they're big swings in a comedic sense, like Will Ferrell's going for it, or Gosling <laughs> yes. and Kingsley Benadir and Simu Liu are going for it. We all saw the, the beach-off uh, bit in the uh, trailers, and that, and that is easily the low point of comedy since the middle of the pandemic, I would say, when comedy died. <laughs> 
right? That was it. This was rock bottom. That was horrendous. That and they was did rock that bottom. so early in the movie too. It was like a tone setter. It was jarring. Some yeah. they they must have screwed up the kind of lead into and and and. and coming out of that but they should have realized once the once it didn't work in the trailer they should have tried to cut it or something maybe mm. maybe they couldn't uh but like greta gerwig has talked about like the truman show and peewee's big adventure being being movies that inspired her for this one i i mean i guess and it makes some sense but i like i'm watching this and this is a wholly unique take on a blockbuster to me because i, I saw peewee's big adventure i don't get the truman show but i but even peewee's big adventure like it doesn't I will have to get into it in spoilers, but the settings don't shift the way the settings shift in this movie. In Elf and Splash and Big, those are fish-out-of-water comedies that I thought this was going to be, and it's not. It is not a no. fish-out-of-water comedy. Go to the other land yeah, and stay no. there. No, not, not at, at all. all. It's a so, total subversion of that expectation. I love that. I love that fact. So we'll get into it. In terms of these performances, though, as we'll start this Oscar lens, Margot, I wanted to start with Margot Robbie. She is one mm-hmm. of the many Barbies. She is stereotypical Barbie. That's her character's title. Yeah. I feel like she played that quote-unquote fish-out-of-water protagonist, but it's in an old-school sense. You have a brilliant, yet clearly an ignorant character, and she played it to perfection. I mean, to the to the extent like a Joe Pesci played it in My Cousin Vinny. You obviously have a, a smart, capable character, but they don't know what they don't know and they have to learn so that that you once you take her character seriously i think that's the biggest piece of this magic trick and this miracle that greta gerwig and Noel bomback pulled off they take the emotional stakes to these characters with the utmost level of sincerity and barbie and margot robbie's performance here showing us at times that she is this "Quote unquote doll being played with, right by by a by a kid, mm-hmm. and, and and superficial and has all these issues. One of the more rounded characters we've ever seen as a protagonist. For her to go to the to the extents of vulnerability that she she goes to, and to have the dark nights of the soul that she has in this movie, I have I don't know when a, a character playing this much of a caricature has succeeded." To this level, she absolutely nailed that performance. I bang the table for her Oscar chances. I feel like this is as strong of a performance that Margot Robbie has had to the levels of Babylon, to the levels of her best work. Uh, what was the the Fox News movie that she did? Bombshell. bombshell. Yeah, yeah, to the levels of Bombshell. Like she should be nominated for this, but I fear Michael. Yeah, that she's going to be overlooked and underestimated because. Yeah. The protagonist is not what we would expect from a blockbuster movie, right? We expect Vin Diesel. We expect characters well, that are not going to show their vulnerabilities as much. She needs to be nominated because we can't have just Ken nominated from this movie. And Ryan Gosling, I mean, if Ryan Gosling isn't nominated for this performance, <laughs> I don't know why we have awards for movies. I agree. I, so and, and, and I can't live in a world in which Ken, on this script, is the only character nominated. That, that would be horrible. <laughs> he is so funny. He is so perfect. <laughs> We're going to explain in spoilers. But talk about a character that is playing like... He's batshit! <laughs> he's this like melodramatic kid playing with toys at times. And then he's this satirical stroke of brilliance. I don't know who could pull off... I mean, Margot Robbie was great in that I co-sign everything you say, but she had to be more of the straight man, even though she's not the straight man. I mean, America Ferrera is the straight man for the most part, but Margot Robbie had to be more of the straight man for in the Barbie world for Ken to be as off the wall and still as grounded as he is. Right. And I don't know who could have possibly done what Ryan... Like, I was trying to think what 30 to 45-year-old actor in that range could have pulled this off, and like... Maybe Ryan Reynolds, but I don't think he would have the gravitas to pull the story back to where it is when they go into the other world. Like, I don't know, and I you mentioned Colin Farrell, and you got a bunch of names written down. Yeah. I hope, I I I glad I I'll never know because I'm glad it was only Ryan Gosling. He's I, I don't think anyone. I mean, he's so so good and so completely insane. Like, the theater I was in was laugh out loud, like, almost everything he was saying. Good. And it's just, it's, 
nonsense for the most part, but he believes it so much. He, could you imagine if that guy was method acting on the set the entire time? Oh, my God. <laughs> James Marsden, eat your heart out. I, yeah, I don't. No, I can't imagine that. But, I, yes, Ryan Gosling is showcased in this. The, the performance of his career, which is saying quite a lot. Yeah, uh, I think so, too. This movie is so generous, and this screenplay is so generous to such a huge ensemble. This is why so many stars took these parts, Michael. Like, America Ferreira, she has Michael Stuhlbarg-level speech-giving moments in this to the point where you're, like, standing and cheering. It's like, oh, my God, this is going to go down as an all-timer. I... I wish I knew, I mean, I think I did read at one point, but I have no idea. I could be totally making this up, but I wish I knew if Greta Gerwig and America Ferrera were like friends in real life. I think I remember reading that Greta Gerwig and Michael Cera are, which okay. makes total sense with the way Michael Cera is treated in this movie. <laughs> but, like, it, this seems like something that was very cozy, and I wouldn't have think that America Ferrera would have been my first choice for casting for that role, but you're absolutely right. She kills it. And, and Gloria's daughter's character, played by Ariana Greenblatt, she Sasha. She great. She has a great speech herself. Like yes. this is, and she has a great arc. I love. Can we make casting a freaking uh, Oscar category, please? Oh, this would win going away easily. I mean, like you said, Michael Sarah as Alan, <laughs> Emerald Fennell as Midge. I don't want to give anything away, but Michael Sarah has a full-on action role scene in this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rhea Perlman, Helen Mirren, Annie Mamulo from Barb and Star. She's fun. She gets one scene and she's hilarious. Uh, I just, I, I loved, I loved most of the characters in this. Uh, the, it's, it's truly generous in the sense that you know the, the Barbies have a collection of characters from Kate McKinnon, Alexandra Ship, Hari Neff, Issa Rae, Sharon Rooney, all with huge moments. The Kens with Simu Liu and Kingsley Benadir and. I mean, these guys just, I mean, never mind, like, the musical number they deliver. <laughs> Nakuti Gatwa, uh, Scott Evans. I mean, the, the, the performance abilities of these guys is, is on another level. I really think this is going to be one of those movies where you look back and we see all these movie stars that came out of this film. I mean, you could, like, I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a while back. Mm -hmm. it's a who's who of yeah. the next 10 years of movie or right. what, it's what, what, when was that three years ago whatever it's gonna... but we said that at the time too we were like this is what tarantino's trying to do and he's capturing it and then you know boom elvis and margaret qualley are playing right part roles in that huge yeah there, there's so many actors that have broke since since that film and i i think this movie's going to be like it and it should be no surprise because they come from shows like sex education that i've i've always loved mm -hmm. and etc etc they're 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 coming from i mean he nakuti got was from uh uh doctor who as well so i mean he's already kind of broken out across the pond but i mean we're gonna we're gonna even see like a michael sarasance you know he, i wouldn't be surprised yeah He's coming out with the adults later. He's awesome in that. Scott Yeager predicted this in our Tribeca Mania shows, but he's got this movie opposite Kristen Stewart that I was looking up, Sacramento. It's going to be a road trip comedy that looks great. He's got this Christmas family dramedy thing that How looks many fun. words are said in a road trip featuring only Kristen Stewart and Michael Cera in the car? Four? Seven? <laughs> All of them, I hope. <laughs> Just, that, 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 I, I hope that works so well. But, like, Will Ferrell, to me, is, like, the weirdest casting in this movie, even though he's got some great moments. But he's Buddy the Elf in this thing, and I don't necessarily know if that worked so well. Well, I mean, I, it's, it's partial. Part of why I say the script is insane, but maybe the actor's choices are what's really... Like, yes, the is a, it's very generous in this movie. Everyone does have their own feature, and everyone, like, is there for a reason. They play a role. But... The tonal shifts are are crazy. Yes. Like, you have Will Ferrell, who's the CEO of Mattel, who's positioned in the previews as the main antagonist. He has a storyline that's presented as the most important thing in the movie that is literally completely forgotten about and not mentioned again. <laughs> Downton Abbey's levels of <laughs> resolution immediately. Yeah, we'll have to get to it. I, and, he's uh, playing, and he's playing, like, a Buddy the Elf-type farcical cam right. character. And then you have Rhea Perlman in the literally the very next scene being, like, the sweetest, most sincere, grandmotherly-type character. It's, it's crazy. 
I don't know how she pulls this off, Greta Gerwig. It's, it really is a master class. But it does help to have the production team that she does here. I mean, Rodrigo Prieto is the cinematographer. Brokeback Mountain, Silence, Irishman, three-time Oscar nom, all of Scorsese's re- recent films, I believe including Killers of the Flower Moon. My God, you have him shooting it. You have mm-hmm. Sarah Greenwood and Katie Spencer. They're the production design team. Now they should get ready for an Oscar nom. Six time Oscar nominees mm-hmm. each of them mm-hmm. from Anna Karenina and, and Atonement and Pride and Prejudice, Darkest Hour, 2018's Beauty and the Beast. Was it Pride and Prejudice that has a nice cameo in this movie? <laughs> That's the BBC version. Which, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, very funny. <laughs> Costume designed by Jacqueline Duran. She's won twice for Little she Women. She should get ready for another Oscar nom. Anna Karenina, eight Oscar noms for her. And yeah, she, she like th- those two are definites. And then musically, you have Mark Ronson and Andrew Wyatt of A Star is Born. Obviously, they've had their own musical careers in a big way. I've been listening to this soundtrack on loop, Michael. It is great. Billy it's, it's like an old school uh, movie blockbuster soundtrack. Like I remember when like the Armageddon yes. soundtrack came out. It was like a big <laughs> deal on, on like the FYE top 20 display walking. I'm dating myself now because I'm an old man. But like that was a big deal. Like City of Angels. Like I always joke about that all the time. But that soundtrack was a big deal back in the day. Mission Impossible 2. The soundtrack was a big deal. But this reminds me of that. This would go triple platinum in like a week, right, or whatever. <laughs> right, it used to, right. you know, whatever the terms used to be. But Dua Lipa basically has the theme song. Billy Eilish or Irish. Mm-hmm. Billy Eilish has the emotional song throughout the like in all the big emotional movement mo- um, moments of the movie. What was I made for? Plays. I could see either of those songs getting nominated, but there you go down the card. There's one after another. Great songs. I think they're original for the soundtrack. Speed Drive, Charlie XCX, Lizzo's got the pink song, which is a, 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 a enjoyable to the hilt. Mm-hmm. I'm just Ken. Ryan Gosling's got two performances that are, are that might be going like, you know, don't talk about Bruno levels of viral, by the way. Yeah, could be. I wouldn't surprise. It hasn't. Nothing's taken off on TikTok yet. I wonder if that'll play a role because I, uh, the reason Bruno became such a giant success was because they, TikTok got their hands on it, and that was it. Uh, at least that was one of the biggest reasons. I don't know. Uh, my why. brother's saying he's getting memed everywhere. My brother was talking about it. He's like TikTok has got him so hyped. For oh, movie. good. All right. Maybe I just haven't come across it yet. But um, I would think. If they're going to throw their weight behind one of these songs, it's either going to be uh, Billie Eilish or I'm Just Ken. Really? I that feel would like be my I, guess. I feel like I'm Just Ken is a nominee. It's not a winner, no matter what. That's kind of what, how I, I feel. The, and I feel like Billie Eilish could win it. I feel like this theme song by Dua Lipa, that is like my so? favorite song, Dance the Night. I mean, that's the, the song that opens the movie. It's too happy. It's too it's happy, happy to be an Oscar it, winner. Oh, it's great. It's great. I, like, I don't know. Like... That would be my choice, but what was I made for is what everybody's predicting. Oh, are they, yeah, that would, that's what I think, yeah. But and I wonder, too, how that would play in. Like, would, would we get the old, well, she's already just won one and she's yeah. so young, we don't want to blah, That's blah, why blah. I worry for that song. But you just might give, see. I want to see Ryan Gosling performing I'm Just Ken on the Oscar <laughs> stage. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. But I hope it's not the only song nom. They, like, they deserve two song noms, if not three. Like, this could be an old school original song category where a great musical movie gets a couple nominations. What's the but, original song from Oppenheimer? I'm just a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think the color purple, Wonka, there's going to be a bunch of movies that come out mm-hmm. with big, you know, big original songs, so who knows. Did you uh, expect this mu- mu- this movie, if I could speak properly, did you expect this movie to be as musical? I didn't expect them to feature the songs That's during what I the mean. times yeah. in the plot where we get them. So that, we're going to have to get into that in spoilers. But I do think that helps their Oscar cases. And you're I right. I'm, I'm Just Ken is featured later in the film to where I think that matters. Yeah, uh, but, I agree. All right. Well, let's get into your tiers here. I think we agree on the at least the first two. I mean, this is if this doesn't get three noms, then... I don't know what we like production design, hair and makeup, costume design. Thought that's all day done. We've we've yeah. said that since we watched the first trailer, exactly. which is why I right. don't understand, and neither do you, the fact that people are like underestimating this movie as an Oscars contender. No, the only argument I can see is that production design. I feel like this is already the fourth or fifth movie we're saying has to be a lock, and it's July. It, Haven't it we is, had a lot of a lot of production design locks? Well, we've we already said, said Dune Part Two, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon. 
I forget what uh, Asteroid City and yeah. Barbie, right? Those were the five. I mean, that's it. We and all it takes those? is yeah, all it takes is one more movie that is just next level production design to where we're like, oh god, who 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 gets bumped? Right. So I mean, I could see that coming into play, but even so, this movie looks. I mean. It's Barbie Land. I, I feel like Barbie Land is one of the greatest achievements in production design that we've seen in a decade. Yeah. Right? I, how do you how do you walk away from watching that and not say this has to be Oscar nominated? Has to and, be. and then you have these six time Oscar nominees, like they're due. They're overdue. Mm-hmm. Of course that agree. should be nominated. So would, that's that's three that I think we both say are locks. Yeah, and, and cost the yeah the costumes are iconic. They replicated. Well, they, they feature them too. The, they feature like real historical Barbie costumes. They work and they them made into them. the story. Yeah. Yes, and then the hair and makeup. How many? Yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, of yeah. course, no brainers. The hairstyles alone, the hairstyling alone. Never mm-hmm. mind the makeup. So, uh, yeah, I would say those three are easy. And then I would say two original songs, but you have at least one. Sure, probable. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. I I don't think we're gonna get as away from. Someone as, you know, talented as Billie Eilish doing a summer blockbuster song again, which is what she won for, even though it wasn't a summer blockbuster at that point, but she won her Oscar for that. Or something that's taken the zeitgeist in the way that I just can either is or could. I think it makes sense that this is going to be at least one nominee for original song. So here's where we break a little bit. So I would say a second song is probable. I would also say picture and supporting actor are probable. That's So, so if I, you have four noms, then... Yeah, I mean, especially if Gosling does get the acting nom. I would have six noms as probable. It's going to be tough to say it's not a Best Picture nom. I agree. But I wouldn't advocate for it for Best Picture. I would advocate more for it for direct. I don't know why. But it it just seems too freaking weird to me to be a Best Picture threat. (laughs) I don't know, man. Hot Dog Fingers just won Best Picture. That's true. That's true. I, I love the fact that it's innovative in terms of big summer movies and they're subverting a lot of our expectations i love that and and they're the high wire trapeze of the screenplay as bad as it can get or as weird as it can get at times and 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 look it does get bad at times like there's a deus ex machina there's some it's there's some weird choices here but i don't know if i care because i'm just having a good time and she makes it work and then the truth bombs like the Michael Stuhlbarg level truth bombs here, it's just very refreshing. Um, so I I don't know. I'm I'm more of an over under like five and a half, six. That's You're, so high. Yeah, I put yeah. four because I figure. I mean, I don't know about the two songs. I would think also that they're gonna campaign one. Maybe maybe you're and right. Just try to win. I'm looking at a wide open song, original song category right now, so I don't know. I I would think uh, I would think. Margot Robbie's going to have something to say yet. I would think yep. Greta and Noah for the screenplay, yes, even even though it's no way. zany. No, no, absolutely <laughs> Look, not. You watch, you watch. I will people. put my foot down. <laughs> They're, it's adapted screenplay for some reason. I don't because know why it's, it's not. Yeah, well, it's Barbie. It's, yeah, on a, it's based off of, I mean, this story doesn't exist without the doll. Yeah, but why Why are we adapting a doll as, as, as that accounts as an adaptation? What piece of... Like, what, you know, made-for-TV movie is this adapted from? Lawyers like, don't... don't have jobs because people don't sue each other in Hollywood, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. We're, we're getting an adapted screenplay category categorization for it. I don't know. Maybe that's more open. Oppenheimer's going to be in there. Killers of Flower Moon's going to be in there. Dune 2's probably going to be in there. Because so I'm so against picture, I would advocate for editing as well. Because, again, this and because I'm so against screenplay, I would advocate for editing. Like, this does a job in which it tells a story coherently that shouldn't be told coherently. That that would be interesting. I, I didn't pick up on the editing. And cinematography is very good, but I don't pick up on the Same cinematography. VFX is very good. Uh, but I, I could again, see VFX if they like want to talk about like, you know, the the plastic the plasticity of it all, making everything look toy like. I feel like that's more of a tribute to the costume design and the production design. Production design, though. yeah. That's when, you know, I always have trouble drawing the line between cinematography and production design anyway. It felt, anyway, so I'm probably more like, I'm, I'm rooting for seven with Margot Robbie and Gosling or Greta Gerwig getting it, seven or eight, but I'm, I'm yeah, guessing if, it's going to be. If Gosling's a lock and those three or four are also a lock, then I can't see it not getting picture. 
Yeah. I mean, getting five or six noms and not getting a Best Picture nom would be tough. I, what do you think about Greta Gerwig for director? She's got to go against a sausage fest of Good. old standbys from the Mattel Should that not help there. her right now? Scorsese, Nolan, Ridley Scott, Fincher, Villeneuve. But then you have, I mean, you, you do have Justine Triette of Anatomy of a Fall, Greta Lee, of course, of Past Lives. You have Emerald Fennell and Saltburn. I mean, she's probably behind them, I'm guessing. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I mean, they, all these movies got a hit. I mean, I'm not even mentioning The Color Purple and, and some of these other movies yeah. from first-time directors that might just be standouts. So your over-under would be what? Six and a half, you said? I, I would probably be five and a half or six. <sighs> I'd put it at four right now, but I'm always conservative earlier in the year than I am later I'm anyway. I'm banging the over on your four, but no, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm rooting for Gosling's it, there. That's that's <laughs> that's my takeaway from the Barbie movie is I care about Ken. <laughs> this movie worked on me. <laughs> it definitely works on us. But I think for the right reason, so let's let's spoil it. Yeah. Spoilers ahead Humans only have one ending. Get that Barbie Ideas live forever. This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for the Barbie movie, the Oscars profile brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie yet, that's a lie. Everyone's seen this movie by the now, by the time you're listening to this, but fine. If you want to continue living that lie, hit pause on us. Go check it out at your local theater. We'll be waiting for you to, when you come back and hit play to hear the rest of this episode. If you've seen the movie already, this is where you want to be. All spoilers about the plot of Barbie, the movie, the Oscars profile review by Mike, Mike, and Oscar Michael. All right, so you talked about it a couple times. The quote-unquote world of Barbie. And I'm not just talking about Barbie land, but overall, the, the real world slash Barbie land mixture. How they sell that to us is a work of genius. Should not be effective storytelling, and yet it is. Yeah. Uh, please explain why. Like. For the first 90% or so of this movie, I thought there was some stuff that was just too stupid to make sense. Like, the the antagonism of this movie is that a plastic doll who has never even heard of the uh, desire of sex goes to the real world and immediately falls in love with and adopts the notion of patriarchy and right. brings it back in full to the Barbie world. So the Ken army becomes the antagonists of the movie in that they ruin this beautiful utopia of Barbie land, world, which has become a matriarchy because of all the hard works of the Barbies. Mm -hmm. And they turn it into a patriarchy, a Kendom, if you will. And that's the that's the the tautness, the, the pulling of the rubber band here of this movie, so to speak. Like this movie does the big things well in telling that story. They talk about uh, what it means to be a female facing everyday societal pressures, what mm. it means to have any sort of social relationship between any man and any woman, uh, themes of feminism, womanhood, etc. They talk about the big stuff really, really, really well. The small stuff <laughs> is just abandoned. Like, you go into this movie and you meet the Mattel CEO, that's Will Ferrell, and the whole thing is we need to get Barbie, who is now in the real world and we know it, back into her box. And there's a scene given to where they try to get her in her box and she doesn't want to do it. And she ends up escaping out of the Mattel uh, headquarters. And then that storyline's just never talked about again. I am. I, I love that fact because <laughs> going into the movie, I thought that was the movie. I thought, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, Will Ferrell is going to be chasing her through mm -hmm. L.A. Right. That's what I thought as well. That's what but I think. That's what it was marketed as. They hang out in Barbie land for 30 minutes. And then they're immediately back in the real world after they take America Ferreira, Gloria and Sasha and, and Ariana Greenblatt with them. And it's the Barbies that have to fix Barbie land and not just stereotypical Barbie, not just Margot Robbie. She shuts down, literally shuts yeah. down in this movie because she's in, she's in this somehow this like parallel universe. Talk about the metaverse. <laughs> Where she's being played with by America Ferreira's character, which is a bad reveal, by the way, and then it was a great reveal somehow emotionally. Like this, like that's that encapsulates that reveal encapsulates the no, no, yes. Which reveal <laughs> no, is this? When when it's revealed that uh, obviously when America Ferreira is talking to Dimkins or Aaron Dimkins, 
and showing him her sketches, you immediately yeah. know that she's the one playing with the Barbies. Right, right. You immediately Which, know that. And that's I felt like that was a bungled reveal. Well the whole the whole that whole plot point is bungled. So well, there's a portal cares, that Michael, can open because... up. Well that's what I mean. Like the little stuff, if you think about this plot and you actually give it like critical thought, it's right. nonsense. But but that is a setup. That is a setup for the mother mother daughter mother daughter relationship that needs to be mended right. between sure. Sasha and Gloria. That's so important, and they have to save Barbie Land together. Of course, but even the idea of the portal of how the Barbies get to the real world and back, <laughs> it's suggested that literally anybody who ever played with a Barbie can open uh-huh. a portal based on how they feel when they are playing with the Barbie at that time. Barbie World should just be a congl- it should be hell. It should literally be hell. It what? should just be this place where people are coming and going, and it's just nonsense is happening all the time, and there's nothing but emotions and feelings going on. I, but you don't think about that because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because <laughs> Greta Gerwig does something that we've talked about forever on this podcast, joking away the obvious logistical objection. You have Kate McKinnon doing it with that Birkenstock you know, high heel scene, mm-hmm. which is br- brilliant. It's Basil exposition <laughs> levels of brilliant. And then you have Will Ferrell doing it with in the boardroom where the character's asking, so is Barbie land a dreamland or is it? Yes. And then, <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. And then, and then you, you have the goofy transitions with the, I mean, the joyous transition with all of Barbie's, tr- you know, transportation toys, from the from the car to the to the jet ski to the to the camper, oh my god! Just talk about pure happiness mm-hmm. to the point where Will Ferrell's joking away the Deus Ex Machina of the Barbie founder Barbara Handler, or excuse me, Ruth Handler, Barbara Handler's mother. Her ghost has an office on the seventeenth floor. <laughs> like you're saying, these clarifications are just the height of comedy. Well, there is this this good thing that happens, and it's not just with the... I mean, it, it becomes on the nose, and when they are stated plainly, but they work. Like, even the... So, there's this danger that could have been run of this becoming a white savior movie, because Margot Robbie is right. supposed to be the one that comes up with this big plan. And Margot Robbie states plainly, hey, I didn't come up with this plan. America Ferrera did. This can't be... I'm not white savior Barbie. I'm stereotypical Barbie. And Sasha like, destroys her very soul. And you knew it was coming because the, the best friend from the lunch table over warned. Yes. Don't go yes, there. Yes. Yeah, it's perfect. It's it's a great speech, a speech eviscerating all the negatives about Barbie. And it's a feministic movie that doesn't hate men. Like, it's not... There is some accountability... I know that's going to be... This movie's not going to play well with a majority of men out there, and I don't care. They, those are the exact type of people that need to see this and go in, like, trying to take something away with uh, within themselves, and they're not going to, and that's fine. I but, have some hope, though, that the... Tr- like, this is so over-the-top wholesome in its messaging. Like, who's... Like, what guy's really going to be offended by this? And especially when they take the last 20 minutes... And they dedicate it to Barbie reconciling, forgiving, redeeming. Yeah, well, that's then that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm focusing on. Like, there is this message of you can be all empowered as a woman, you can be independent, and you can be everything. But you like that doesn't mean you get to ignore everyone's feelings around you. Right. And there's accountability on Margot Robbie's part, being like, you know, I should have taken stock of your feelings and encouraged you to become your own person much sooner rather than just thinking that you know you were gonna figure taking you for granted essentially but that's also her salvation she Mm -hmm. realizes and and it's the performance moment of the movie for me from margot robbie when her face glosses over and you see that epiphany on her face when she's staring at him and telling him to find out who he is separate from all the materialism and all the things and and separate from her girl. You're not your girlfriend. You're no. not these other people. You're not, you know, who you are in these codependent relationships. You need to find out who you are. She's talking to herself just as much as she's talking to him. Mm. Like that epiphany moment is huge and she finds her salvation there that's why of course she has to become human by the end of it and i would beg people who think this is like anti-man and anything which is nonsense to begin with but come on think about the men you're aligning yourself with when you say things like that like ted cruz coming out and saying that this movie is chinese propaganda before he's even seen it is so un 
I mean, hilariously, ironically, unself-aware that it almost should be a line in this movie. How does that even make sense, Chinese propaganda? I don't even understand that. There was the whole there was that's the whole racism on a level that I can't. Even, <laughs> like usually, I could grasp like the big. There was dumb the whole racism. controversy about whether or not this will be even shown in China because of the map they show, which isn't even a geographically correct map. It shows the South China Sea, and there's that whole aspect to it. It's a there's, dolls. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just guess telling you. I'm about... just telling you factually what has been in the news. <laughs> it's a doll's guess about the world yeah. map. Yeah, and then there's the whole, you know, is this anti-Christian and everything? It's just, it's just like, you know, obviously the old school thing of women don't, women belong in certain places in the house and should be subservient. It, nonsense. Just shut up, all of you. Wa- this this is the- who you're aligning yourself with. Yeah, watching this movie the first time, here is my only, my only uh, moment where I was slightly miffed. It was because of the the Matchbox 20 song, because I'm a Matchbox 20 fan. <laughs> but that is a ironic song rob thomas sung that 20 years ago and he was under fire initially for that back in the day and quickly exonerated because he sung it from the perspective of an abusive relationship of an abusive girlfriend that abused him and it was and it and it's also sung from her perspective he's realizing that it's melodramatic so the fact that Ken used this and the fact that Matchbox 20 and Rob Thomas licensed this to Greta yeah. Ger- Gerwig yeah. as this three-sided die and this 3D chess, however you want to put it, to do like this bad guy anthem when it actually is characterizing the Kens to, to, to a level where they're explaining how they think they're gaining control, but actually they're explaining how confused they are. Mm-hmm. And it's a cry for help. More than anything, it's a cry for help. But it's also hila- a hilarious gag because idiots have been, quote-unquote, singing at <laughs> women forever. I want to come back to that point because I don't think that scene works. I mean, I think there's even levels in, in the onion of that scene, you could argue, should have been performed poorly. Like it would make it would make it a better message if Ryan Gosling sang it worse, but I actually think it's a better message that he sang it better because it proves that he spent so much time working focusing on his guitar instead so of like lurking on his feelings and stuff that it makes it. And he kills that song, by the way. The performance. We were, we were both laughing. We were playing it to each other <laughs> yeah. on Spotify very, before very we good. started. It is so funny. It just do yourself a favor. Listen to Ryan Gosling performing "Push," but male fragility soundtrack. shrouded in toxic masculinity is like the centerpiece of this movie and it's talked about very delicately but very appropriately and that's obviously the real antagonism of all this is like yeah look at how much of an asshole all of us are men (laughs) when it comes to like wanting you know not having this insecurity this deep-seated insecurity and trying to do everything we can to mask it rather than face it and address it but the salvation is equal it's the same for barbie as it is for ken it's the same moral it's just find yeah. yourself. Yeah, <laughs> find yourself. Of course it is. Of course, because of course it is. So th- that's why, like, it's not putting men down. They both have to do the same things to figure themselves out. And he is so forgiven. It's not even funny. I mean, it's such a happily ever after. Are oh you my kidding God. me? Like, <laughs> well, much like every other storyline in this movie, his his meanness is immediately forgotten. And this is a guy who literally ruins Barbie World because and, and makes turns Barbie's dream house into Ken's. Casa Dojo House. Oh, they laugh it off a hundred times. Yeah. The fact that he's uh, once it's once the patriarchy stopped being about horses, I, I really lost interest <laughs> that's anyway. Such right? a great line. <laughs> that's such a great line. <laughs> Every single moment of it, I mean, Ken is humanizing himself, and he doesn't really want. I mean, you could see it throughout the performance, which again is, and it's hilarious. The fact that he screams sublime. Oh yes. my God. Yes. Oh, and by the way, I took my, my, my seven-year-old niece. I took my, I was there fortunate enough to take my mother, uh, my sister-in-law and my seven-year-old niece and my seven-year-old yeah. niece, she was in and out for most of it. The part that resonated most with her was at the very end when the Barbies take everything back and Issa Rae comes down the steps and says mother effer, but it's bleeped. Good. <laughs> she lost her shit. That was like the oh, highlight good. of her day. <laughs> well, I tell you what, the kids in my audience on night two, cause I was, it was nothing but kids and families. My second mm-hmm. night. They were laughing hilariously at all of the opposite moments I was laughing at. I so, had some of that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is. Made me feel old, and like I made, didn't have any idea what was going on. But that's great. She yeah. she wrote it towards everybody, and we all get our moments of laughter here. Like we could we can all enjoy the movie in different ways, and kids can grow older and watch this movie again and enjoy it from our perspective. Yeah, and I mean, look, there's there's hope for everyone in that. Where are two? 
30-something white dopes who <laughs> this movie, like Little Women before it by Greta Gerwig, should not appeal to, and we find it wholly relatable, and we're able to be introspective about ourselves, probably not to the proper extent you would hope we should be, and we say that with a caveat every time we say anything on the show. Like, we're doing our best, and we know it's not enough, and we have more to go. But nonetheless, like, it right. makes you feel something, even if you're guys like us. And from a screenwriting perspective or from a, a storytelling perspective to where she uses all of these meta-narrative cheat codes a la Charlie Kaufman and Adaptation, Asteroid City, it's on that level. I mean, the, the, I, I wish they dramatized it a little more thoroughly. And then at the uh, – oh, I would say this. I wish all of the comedy was executed as perfectly as some of it was. And they I don't know. Have... When Will Ferrell throws the fucking key card to get out of the, it's the headquarters – and then he screams that he can't do it anymore. <laughs> like, I bet. But the beach off stuff is a bigger bomb than anything I yeah, saw bad. go off that that's night. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> I like that. Good job by you. That's, that's bad. I agree. <laughs> that being said, like, this movie is pure happiness for the first hour. Like, there's a list of scenes that are just so, I mean, executed. Like, all the trailer moments that when you watch them play out... I mean, the back-to-back wake-up montages, the blowout uh, party, Weird Barbie, Kate McKinnon stuff, the traveling through the portal, all the Mattel boardroom stuff, Ken's tour of the patriarchy, (laughs) just like this evil, you know, origin story moment that it's one scene after another. Like, so you're just not doing patriarchy. Oh, we're doing it the right way. We're just, we're hiding it better. (laughs) I'm dying. And then the, like, the... The balls to end this movie with I'm Just Ken as a musical number. Oh, that's what I like. I I demand to be in the pitch meeting for this. Or like at least at least when the executives got their hands on the first draft of the script, because Greta Gerwig had to be almost fired. If you think about it, what they do is like this spy craft behind the scenes. That's what the, the Barbies do in this. But the whole end of the movie is the Kens having this goofy-ass beach war, and then they all come together in one big musical number, I'm Just Ken, and then they're all at Barbie's house doing... Weren't we supposed to vote on the Constitution today? Oh, that was today, wasn't it? <laughs> it's just so funny. It's just like... I, like, I wonder if that's funny on, on a level for kids. It's funny to me. Yeah, especially all those subversions of big blockbuster filmmaking. Like, that's not what you get. You usually get a you know, storming of the castle or whatever. I read, I, I didn't read, I was watching an inter- a, a cast interview, and Margot Robbie was insistent. She and Greta Gerwig were going back and forth, and Margot really wanted Ryan Gosling to take this part. And it, it, the insinuation was that Gosling was very resistant, and I wonder why. I wonder if it was because he he had a scheduling thing, because obviously he's one of the most famous stars we have. Or I wonder if it was because he was afraid to put, like, to actually take on this role and he thought it might have ramifications for him. Because that that role is so... What that guy is asked to do, and why I think we can appreciate it on a different level than kids and stuff, is like, you're watching Ryan Gosling, who had to shred himself to bits for this part in the first place. Good God. Become, like, this the ultimate patriarchal doofus on one hand, and then become this song and dance man in the same breath, of this movie where of the script that had to have made, I refuse to believe this made sense on paper, but it had to have made little sense on paper. Like, I wonder if he thought this was going to hurt his career, and then it couldn't turn out, I mean, you're under the, the guided hand of Greta Gerwig here, that it's going to be one of the best roles he could have ever put forward. It's high-wire trapeze. Like, he has to hit the tone just right, not to be a over-the-top, He's got to be an over-the-top douche, but it's got to be a likable one. Yeah. He's playing this iconic character that everybody loves mm-hmm. to an extent. I guess some people hate it, hate Ken, but I mean, still, he's playing this iconic toy. So you got to deliver for those people that have grown up loving Ken. I would guess there's a whole subculture that grew up loving Ken, just Ken, right? Never mind the fact that he's he's got to play the heavy in this movie and has to play this redemptive arc that's also I mean this is scary levels of taking Barbie Land to a I mean he ruins Barbie Land in this movie <laughs> he ruins it and the tropes of the patriarchy the tropes of toxic masculinity Greta Gerwig's college life must have been hell <laughs> she's taking can, can I watch the here. Godfather and re- recite it to you line for line like and tell you why it didn't work or why it does but, work but that's also funny because the Godfather, like, took in the mid two thousands when we we're all growing up during the You've Got Mail days, it took such like this over 
overly self-important role of being everybody's number one movie and it, mm-hmm. I just I mean I've, I probably wrote five papers on it back when I was in film school <laughs> and I and as much as I love it I, I despise it for those same reasons and right it's a, it's well made but it's obviously this hugely but what guy who like wanted to play beer pong and talk about getting you know tail in college didn't have oh, a Jesus. godfather poster on their wall you know yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I never that's... had a Godfather poster on my wall, but I'd still... Well, you, I... you have a different... Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you and I. Anyway. Hopefully I, or not. <laughs> I've always had this Italian distaste for it because, I, you know, I, like this is what we're glorifying as Italian. Anyway, but it, it was a problematic masterpiece, quote-unquote, right, mm-hmm. for years, and she calls it out in her one big blockbuster movie. And I look, I hope it's not her one big... I hope she does ten of them now. Like, sh- this is who should... Be in charge of the tent poles. Warner's got to give her like forty million, right, for the next passion project. This thing's yeah. going to make a probably two billion dollars or close to it. She should be able to do whatever she wants after the, after this movie. This movie's going to make yeah eight hundred to a to a billion, and Warner's is going to make a, a killing off of it. Mattel's going to make a killing. Well, that one fifty number is is just stateside, right? That opening. It's- yeah, I, yeah. So this, this is this could be it's going to sniff two billion worldwide. I would bet. I mean, depending on what happens in the China market and all that. Going into week two, it's going to be in profit zone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you give it for a grade? I, I was. It's funny to watch us have the same grade for this, but B plus eighty eight is what I wrote down. <laughs> I didn't realize that last night. It's top ten on the year for me right now, or top, it's like eleven, twelve, maybe. I don't, I don't remember. I didn't. I didn't slate it yet, but eighty eights are in my top fifteen. It's not a movie I expected to love. I'll be honest with you. And a second watch did wonders for me. Like I said, the first watch, I was just so surprised by it. The second watch yesterday was just, it was pure happiness. I really enjoyed it. I worry about the man lash as well, but I just yeah. hope, like, just get over yourselves, you idiots. Come on. Well, I mean, just I mean, go into, how about going into a movie, like, with the, just the idea that possibly you aren't whole? Yeah, possibly I, there's something that could be fixed in you. Right? I, I, just, I mean, it's hitting on, I guess, some big... Call. Like, I don't want to neg The Godfather. I mean, The Godfather, we could do a series of podcasts <laughs> on how many... Like, So I don't want to be like, all right, I don't want to jump on the bandwagon necessarily. Hate The Godfather. Like I said, I wrote how much on it. The Godfather has as much triumphs as it does problems with it, right? So, yeah, so people who are, you know, pro this or that, like, I mean, whatever. Like, even jock culture or whatever, but... Uh, Matchbox 20 super fans. You still, <laughs> if you really dive into this, you will under, you, you will get, like, it's it's not, it really is not beating you down. It is, it, it is playing, you know, it's, it's a satire. And, and again, think about this. Rob Thomas had to license this song <laughs> to be made fun of, but also to be like this vehicle for Barbie's success in this movie. He did that purposefully, deliberately. He knows exactly what he's doing. No, not here. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so it's a really bizarre watch if you go in with the expectation that the marketing fed you, which I guess is successful marketing. That's I, I mean, that's what I would chalk it up to. But like for the majority of it, I'm watching this as stupid, thoughtless fun. And I'm like, okay, this is a B movie. And then you have these moments like where Rhea Perlman takes Margot Robbie's hand at the end as the creator of Barbie and Barbie herself and Barbie wants to become human and Rhea Perlman's trying to level with her the impo- like what it means to be human and you're watching this beautiful montage happen well, the, the culmination of all these you know lessons you were taught along the way and you you get goosebumps and you get teary-eyed and it's a really special moment in film and filmmaking and then you stop and think to yourself wait a minute didn't I just come off a scene 10 minutes ago where the antagonist who's basically a golden retriever turned Biff from Back to the Future turns into, does a dance <laughs> number with the with with the guy from the the Shang Chi movie, you know, like it it doesn't make any sense when you think about this. So there's a plus moments in this. I I think a lot of it is is like a B movie in the way it's treated and the way I would grade other movies that just punt yeah. on their storyline. So I'd, yeah, B plus eighty eight eighty nine for me. I, I think kind of analyzing the structure and, and analyzing the goods, like what. What are the goods of this movie? The goods were never going to be, oh, Barbie tripping over herself in the real world. It was never going to be Splash. It was never going to be big, even though that's what we kind of thought. We were sold that, yeah. 
and we were sold that in the trailers. But it's a better movie going back to Barbie Land, being in Oz, being in you know, yeah. that's where the goods of this movie like can you imagine if we if we went to Barbie Land and all we got was a ten minute epilogue back there and we never went back there with all those great characters? Like we would have been that, that would have been that would have been terrible. Oz is a, a really apt comparison too, because it's it's like we need to save Oz because the real world has ruined itself beyond repair, and we can't let the real world touch Oz, and that's kind of what this movie is. It, it it worked at the end of the day. It worked. I agree with you on on, on so many levels. Uh, B plus all day, probably. A, I mean, look at we've rated how many Best Picture winners this same grade. Mm-hmm. So that's why again, uh, you know, the fact that. We're ha- it's in this zone for us. Feels like all the more like a best picture. I mean, this is no. you feel much better leaving this movie than you do Shape of Water or Parasite, right? Yeah, and yet, I would I would give the Academy credit in this regard. These types of films that you're not that are not your typical blockbuster. That you're not your typical best picture winners or best picture nominees, subverting a lot of story tropes. They have been nominated more often than not over the years, and Barbie is one of those movies. Yeah, man, what a bizarre movie! What a bizarre experience. Um, <laughs> As always, dear listener, what matters most to us are your thoughts. Have you seen Barbie yet? What did you think if you have? And if you haven't, what are you anticipating? Uh, We want to hear from you as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. As always, those can be left on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Uh, Michael? Let's tell the good people what's coming next, though that should probably be obvious, and let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Yeah, Oppenheimer's coming next. Uh, in terms of words of wisdom, I would say it's safe to say I did it wrong, and I ate the fast <laughs> food, and I drank the dark soda, mm. and I wish Stop I was... Stop taking shots at dark soda. <laughs> I'm getting offended on behalf of dark soda. Dark soda is not good for you, I don't think. I don't know. It's uh, No, but you know what's worse? Two beef and cheddars beforehand. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're right. You're not wrong, but they're both probably bad for you. I, felt I don't think they're equally bad, Mike. <laughs> I felt so much better when I had water and <laughs> yep. a, a small trail mix when uh-huh. I saw Mission Impossible... You know, the, the what dead do you reckoning think is further one. from each other? Dark soda and water or a small thing of trail mix and the and Taco Bell lunch? <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I, I don't have a leg to stand on here. I'm, I'm not a saying, scientist here. I'm not here I'm not, I'm not, not an Oppenheimer level scientist. I'm not going to uh, even Christopher Nolan. I have the suits in Washington to figure out. We're just here to eat some dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I will say this as well. Like go into the go into Oppenheimer with an open mind, because it's not the movie I expected. What was either. the bigger like, di- diversion of expectation? Whew, I would say Oppenheimer, because you, you you go into Oppenheimer thinking it's all going to be about this bomb, and it's mm-hmm. really just these dueling hearings. It's the novel, these dueling congressional hearings, this FBI hearing and a congressional hearing. That's what the movie is, and it's also like this biopic of Oppenheimer from his student days. Till his, you know, to, to you know, till till his old age. So that, like, I don't know. I don't know what you expected. You you kind of said you expected more of a talky movie, but I did not. I thought it was going to be like this. Holy shit! We're building the bomb the whole time. Was it? What uh, was was Oppenheimer worth the dissolution of Matt Damon's marriage that may come of it? Have you seen those interviews? Oh no! Where Matt Damon said that he uh, he and his wife went to therapy, and they, he said he had, he. His wife wanted him to take a break, and he said he's, he will absolutely take a break. He will, he will leave the acting business for a little bit, with the one lone exception being if Christopher Nolan were to call, and Christopher Nolan called for Oppenheimer. <laughs> Matt Damon does a great job in this, and he's I, – I, I, well, here's the thing about Oppenheimer. I feel like there's three performances that have to get nominated, 
and I did not expect that going wow. in. But this is such a talky movie that why shoot it in IMAX unless you're going to f- feature performances? Right. It's got to be next level performance work. And yeah, that's, so that's another major o- Oscars profile. I would say on an equal level of Barbie, I would say six to eight o- Oscar noms. Wow, uh, 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 as well. I, I like these movies coming through for us in July is incredible, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, I feel like the Oscar race has officially like kicked off, kicked into gear. So like, we're doing we're doing the right kind of podcast. I think How did are. your uh, theater take the Nicole Kidman opening? <laughs> Every, people were wryly applaud. Like there was a, a applause after it in the Barbie screening. Was there really? And I laughed. It was it was a totally sarcastic applause break. <laughs> Because you are you are getting like can you imagine watching that whole thing three times a week? I I use my A list. Yeah, I I cannot sit through multiple movies for a lot of reasons, Mike. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> but they got they got to stop. You're right. They got to stop. I'm I know it back to front. I probably could recite it for you all right now. I think it was Awards Daily who tweeted yesterday that there's a trend going on in California theaters where the entire audience will recite it with Nicole Kidman and then just cheer wildly at the end of it. They all, yeah, they, they do it in, in in some theaters where I'm sitting next to people. We're, yeah, we're mouthing every word. <laughs> it's a pledge of allegiance <laughs> to the flag really of the AMCs it of really America. <laughs> They're never going to shoot another one. They lie to us. They totally lie. Oh. <laughs> Oh my God! Now I, I just angered myself. <laughs> I didn't have well, to think of that. <laughs> we can't end them happy. We always have to be the Radio Raheem. <laughs> it's true, right, guys. <laughs> when reality sucks, you can go AMC yourself. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuff in us. We will see you all very soon. See ya. I won't do anything at all. I won't